Welcome to PBIS Journey to Genius. Are you in the process of implementing PBIS? Are you wondering where to start? You are in the right place. We are here to support you. Stay tuned. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to our podcast. Um, I'm Diane Farrell, and I'm here with Diane Ruff. And we are two educators from Minerva Elementary, and we started a podcast all about PBIS. And Diane and I have been working together in education for many years, and the past 14 of those have been on a PBIS journey. This podcast is not only our story, but the story of many other award-winning schools sharing their insights. So what are we talking about today, Diane? Well, last week we highlighted um, our reflection room that's here at our building at Minerva Elementary. And the reflection room is a place for um, children to go when they need to come to the office. So instead of you know, always just sending children straight to the office. Uh, We wanted to get away from that. We didn't want children in the office until we could figure out exactly what was going on with their behavior. So this is kind of a place where they can go. They can calm down, settle down. We have an aide in there. And then she gets the stories of teachers and kids alike. And then um, sometimes she's able to just uh, get them back to class, but other times then it does come to the office. And we had never had anything like this no. ever. Kids have been just coming straight to the office. And this is actually, you know, Diane's being kind, but this was her brainchild. So <laughs> this was her whole thing. We, we've had we've had it now for probably 14 years, uh, I think. I know. But Since then you, you and I go started. way back. So right. when we talk about we never had it, that's that's yeah. in our because we're thirty five years. years in. Yes, it was always that when kids were you know removed from a room, they were sent to the office. That's what they did. And so this was like I said, Diane's brainchild, and um, it has been wonderful for our school. So we like to think of the reflection room as a time for a child to reflect, reset, and return. So yes. the three R's, and um, we like to reteach behaviors for them to return. Um, but we found that this is really fitting into the PBIS philosophies of appropriate consequences. But Diane highlighted that for me in a podcast she was listening to. Talk about that. Yes. So there are other podcasts out there, although we hope you continue to listen to us. And only us. No, that's not true. <laughs> but um, there is a podcast out of Oregon called Expert Instruction, the Teach by Design podcast. It is a PBIS podcast and episode 35 called Mythbusters that PBIS has no consequences actually talks a little bit about this idea of consequences um, and, you know, what are consequences, when should consequences occur, and also the fact that consequences don't fix the behavior. Yeah. You, um, a lot of times people will go, and we have heard this, educators will say, well, you know, PBS, all they do is give them candy and then they send them <laughs> back. You know, there's no real consequences for the students when they're removed from the classroom. And I know that that whole acknowledgement system, that's what we call it, not giving them candy, um, is is one way of changing behavior. I mean, acknowledging yes. the good. We all like that. Adults love that whenever we're acknowledged for the good things we do. But sometimes that doesn't change the negative behavior by just bringing out the positive. You know, sometimes it doesn't. So um, I think PBS has gotten, has gotten like a raw deal whenever they've said, yeah, well, there's no consequences. You don't do anything. Yes. 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 
show, um, this podcast, if you get a chance to listen to it, like Diane, you know, turned me on to it and I really enjoyed it. So we're going to kind of use the information from that podcast today and we're going to align it to our reflection room, which we feel um, addresses that idea, that bit busting that myth, so mm-hmm. they say. Right. So, you know, consequences should be instructional as much as possible. So, yes, I mean, students, if they're misbehaving on the playground, they've hurt someone, uh, there's been some kicking or punching or whatever, definitely being removed from the playground, that's a consequence. Usually, uh, you lose a playground or a recess the next day, that's a consequence. But we don't stop there. We then um, go over the expected behaviors. We teach what needs to happen. Sometimes like our um, aide talked about, you know, we'll teach behaviors through games or watching a video of appropriate behavior. Sometimes writing an apology letter is teaching time to think the right behavior. So you really need to listen to last week's episode about our reflection room. um, Even before you listen to this one, if you get a chance, because our aide does a really good job of telling you what she actually does in that reflection room. But what... um, Talking about removing a student, yes, removing a student is important sometimes. Like now, there are all kinds of strategies that teachers use to keep from removing a student. There's redirection. There, there is accenting the positive. There is all kinds of things. You know that toolbox teachers have. But when that's not working, mm-hmm. and the student needs removed, then we have to think: Is just removing them going to change that behavior? Because it usually doesn't really. Ch- and sometimes it can be a reward. Yeah, sometimes children actually want to be removed. Because then they don't have to read. They don't have to do the work. (laughs) Or they don't have to do the work, you know, and they get out. And if they get to hang in the office with the secretary, that can even be more fun. And if they know that. So really, really removing a student, all you've really told that student is if I do this behavior... I get out. I remember when I first became a teacher, and actually when I was growing up, the big consequence was to, you know, for elementary kids was to sit out in the hallway. Like uh-huh. You were thrown out of the classroom. We don't do that much anymore, but we used you, to. Yeah. Do you remember? Yeah. You know, actually, when I was growing up, and even when I first started teaching, kids would be removed to the hallway because it was a punishment to not be in the classroom. But really, really, mo- most of the kids that would end up sitting in the hallway... Uh, enjoyed that. Because they were, they it could, was a busy place. Because they could watch everyone walk up and down the hallway. They didn't care so much about their schoolwork. Uh, so People talk to I them. am so glad that we've gotten very far away from we that. We have gotten very um, far away from that. We, but that is where it used to be. We don't send kids into the hallway If as it wasn't the office, it was, <laughs> it was the hallway. Another thing that the podcast talked about, which I thought was really interesting, Diane, is that sometimes, okay, teachers are saying, okay, they need to be removed from my room. That gives the student a break. That gives me a break. That gives the other students a break. But then... I don't really know what, like, maybe I think nothing happens to them. That's why there's no consequences. Like, they just get to go down there into this abyss of an office. Right. I've sent sent them to the office, but nothing happens. Nothing happened. Mm -hmm. So Diane's going to talk a little bit about the Swiss program and um, why that addresses that and what we do with those reports. Right. So... When in our building, when it's when it's time to send a student down, uh, our reflection roommate, as she <laughs> talked about, she usually has the teacher fill out a form that kind of states what's going on because we always want the teacher's side of the story first. We're not going to 
listen to the student tell us what happened. No. Uh, we want to know what really happened from the teacher. And then when we get the child down, um, our reflection roommate will get the child's side of the story, listen to the child, because a lot of times we're removing because they're melting down for some reason. And we want to know why they're it's melting down. It's important to get their side too. It is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, once they're down in the reflection room and this student calms down, she gets their side of the story. We That's where it will help us dig down deep into that antecedent, which what, what actually led into the removal. Um, after that, uh, it usually comes directly to myself or the assistant principal. And then we uh, make a phone call home because that's part of the consequence. We want the parent to know exactly what's going on. We also record all of it in what we call, we've talked about this before, our Swiss. Mm -hmm. And the teacher gets a printout of, you know, what the consequence is. That's the key right there. Mm -hmm. Because when they were talking in... That's the genius. (laughs) Because when they were talking in that podcast, they said that without that communication, that teacher has no way of knowing what was done. So, so with that Swiss report that you give that, well, the reflection roommate does or the, or the principal, Mm -hmm. if they're the one doing the behavior, if it's a major behavior, um, that teacher gets a copy in her mailbox. So now she knows exactly what was done and there's no, nothing was done. Like they, they know what that consequence was. Yes. Yes. And so, um, you know, we also, a lot of times we'll, if, if it comes to the principal, a lot of times we'll walk the student back up to class and we'll briefly, you know, check in with the teacher quickly, but it's all recorded on the Swiss paper that they can see. That. And it, like she said, the teacher gets a copy of it. It goes, of course, on the Swiss documentation. The school counselor, because if you don't know from us, I am a retired school counselor. Um, I was uh, part of the school counseling system for the past um, many years. And I would get a copy of this too. Now you say, well, what does the school counselor do with that every time? Well, I didn't do anything with it, but it was information. Like, And then I could see if I got several of those, something's going on. Mm-hmm. So then maybe I did need to interact, you know, get a hold of um, the student and find out if there was a bigger problem. So it's all about information. And in the podcast, they talked about the fact of just the more information, the better, you know, and when people aren't informed about that, they think nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. Right. And that's not true. So a lot of times when we have to actually remove a child out of the classroom, it is a temper tantrum of some sort. So after we get the student calmed down and we've talked to the parent and there might be uh, some consequence in there, um, a lot of times talking to the parent is the consequence though, you know, but then the next step is to really determine what is causing the meltdown. What is that antecedent? And then moving to start helping the child. Um, we're dealing with a child right now that, uh, gets very upset, overwhelmed with the workload. Mm-hmm. A young student gets overwhelmed with the workload. And so, you know, takes a look at whatever's required and then they they don't want to do it. They get defiant. Um, and part of this is a trauma situation. So we know with trauma kids, they want to try to control their environment as much as possible. So how do we help this child, give them control, stop the meltdowns, and do the work, okay? So there's Big lots, puzzle there's right there. lots puzzle. of things involved there. Um, if we were just punishing, 
we wouldn't be helping this child at all. So one of the things we've been looking at is we've adjusted the academics. We're doing some pre-teaching so the child isn't overwhelmed. Uh, when they see the next concept coming up, they've already have been briefed on it. Uh, so it's not a big surprise. The reteaching comes into coping skills. How am I going to, when I start to feel frustrated, you know, and, and we've talked about, zo- well, I don't know if we've talked about zones of regulation we have not so talked much here, yet, but, but it we is, use zones of yeah. regulation here. And so teaching kids to recognize and verbalize how they're feeling. And then, you know, uh, so working with this student, she begins to feel, um, very frustrated. So then she's got places um, that she can look at on her. She's got a chart in front of her for coping skills mm-hmm. to help her. Tools. So she those can are use. tools. So we, you know, we're teaching and we're spending time uh, outside of the academics to teach that. So again, because we want her to stay be successful and stay classroom. in the room. Yes. So, so at the end of the day, removing that student from the room is probably not going to change that behavior. Okay. Just removal will not change. No. Just because will she's not. still going to be frustrated with a large workload, whether yes. you take her down to the office or not. And she's probably going to like being in the office because now she doesn't have to do the work. So, you know, yes. it's a win-win <laughs> for her. But the, uh, um, removing that student shouldn't be the end of the interaction. It should only be the beginning. Yes. And so that's what Diane is just talking about. Strategies to help them be back in that classroom because because that's what you want. You want them to be back in the classroom. Another thing we talked about last week that I thought was really important to bring up is your established procedure for removal. So we go back to that T-chart again, that's very important. So that's classroom managed behaviors, you know, office managed behaviors, and the flow chart that goes with that so that everybody is on the same page about when the reflection room aid is to be called, when she needs to come in. If you listen to that last week, she's great. So you need to listen to that where she talks about what she does when she comes to the room to assess the situation, to get the student to come with her for a little bit and all that kind of thing. So, but knowing that predetermined procedure, you know, what is the plan? We're not going to lead by emotion Mm -hmm. because emotion is I'm fed up with this and I'm just calling, you know, get them out. Mm-hmm. But that's not the way it needs to happen. And the and that T-chart, that predetermined, that flow chart, that is really, really important. Most of you should have that as part of your tier one. But the reflection room in our flow chart is a big piece of that. When does that come into play? Now, um, we talked about consistency amongst classrooms. Yes. And so this is really a big deal, especially maybe at the high school level, middle school level, and upper elementary when students are switching classes. Because, you know, you can have your common rules throughout the building. Ours is be safe, responsible, and respectful. But each teacher has their own way of doing things. And um, maybe, you know, in an English class, they do literature circles and they're allowed to talk to to each other and share Have ideas. those conversations, those sidebar conversations. But in another classroom, maybe in, in math class or social studies, it's supposed to be much quieter and really no talking going on. Uh, so, you know, our students need to know the expectations and be reminded of them constantly. I know here in our building too, they come from gym class where they're allowed to 
run around, scream, yell, yell. scream. Yes. But then getting them back into transitioning back into the classroom, the teacher needs to do a little reminder of, all right, the expectations in the classroom are, and then rattle off the expectations at the beginning, because that will stop any confusion with students. And I think sometimes we take for granted, just like we do with PBIS rules, that once taught, always learned. And yes. that's not the, that's not the truth. And so <laughs> when those students come back into you, you know, from another classroom or whatever, and you have your expectations for your class, I'm not saying that kids aren't going to break those rules. And I'm not saying they're not going to all do what they're supposed to be doing. And some kids are just going to do what they're supposed to do every time they come in because they just will. But reminding that, having that front loading, like Diane was talking about, as soon as you all sit down, now remember, let's remember the rules of the room. And then having that, just putting that out there with them before it even starts. And they said that in this podcast, and I thought that was really good. And, you know, just because even when we go to workshops and things like that, you don't, you don't even know what it's going to be like until the presenter tells you. What is well, it going to be you like? Know, Are you and they be will to get up and go to the bathroom they when do, you want they to? They set the be, parameters, yeah, you know, right. a lot of times. So, so we mm-hmm. think about that as adults, we want to know, what am, what am I going to be allowed to do here? Well, I think we just assume children can do that. So, so that was in the podcast. I really liked it that they talked about that. And I think, you know, us as educators and teachers should just take those couple you know, minutes to front load our kids again about the expectations of the room or the, the lesson, you know, and what we were going to do before um, behavior starts. It really needs to be done almost daily because it, children that's what I think. are children. <laughs> children are children. And each I lesson think, can be different. Yes. Yeah. You know, in this lesson, we're, this is going to be allowed, but then maybe this lesson mm-hmm. is going to be more lecture. So just thinking about that, you know, out there as just another um, way to handle behaviors and, and kind of, you know, put those expectations out, just like we put expectations out in the building, you know, everything. Um, as we were looking at the podcast again, another thing they talked about is thinking of instruction, not retribution, and I, and I like that too, um, not kicking a student out, yelling at them, humiliating them. You know, they talked about even labeling them as a troublemaker. Mm-hmm. You know, really, that is not going to change any of that behavior long term at no, all. No, it really doesn't. Uh, you need to address the behavior, administer the consequence, but then you need to figure out why that behavior is happening and begin to help that student change their behavior through reteaching or coping skills. Uh, and getting them to recognize how they're feeling, just like I, you know, a middle schooler can feel very frustrated and have an outburst. Uh, and the teacher might not even know that the student's having frustration. Right. Yeah. So, you know, and then outbursts are not allowed. So what can you do differently when you're feeling frustrated? And our middle school, she just said middle school, has put the reflection. So they have taken our model mm-hmm. of our reflection room. And what is it two years now? They've I think done so. it. I think yeah. they have done that model over there, helping middle school kids, you know, redirect their behavior, rethink, reflect and um, front load before they go back in the room. So, again, it is removal. You know, it is, but it's removal with instruction. And I think that 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 is so um, 
key and what I saw really aligned with this PBIS. It's genius. It's genius, isn't it? (laughs) Well, Diane, and remember, I'm not here anymore, but I'm loving to hear what goes on here and talk about it with you all, is talking about not only doing that in the moment, but then doing that as an actual set aside time to do it. And I guess, you know, Diane was always good at telling me about the animal brain and the thinking brain. She used to tell me about that all the time. Are we in our animal brain? (laughs) Okay. So we have to think about when a student comes down to the reflection room to have that reteaching might not be the best time. Exactly. Because we are in our animal animal brain brain. right now. (laughs) So the only thing we want our reflection is to get them into a thinking brain and then maybe later. So talk about your idea of instruction later. Well, yes. So our instruction later, you know, happens at a certain time of day, just like you would send kids to get reading instruction from title and it happens every day at 10 o'clock or something. So, you know, a student that needs to um, reteach their behavior and it needs to be one specific behavior, uh, if right, we, we can't to, teach everything. No, if we're, one time. if we want to teach a student to raise their hand before just blurting out or following directions, so if we're doing a blurting out, uh, I think that uh, last week Nicole talked about um, having they playing a game and having the student raise their hand and yes. can't just you know teaching that behavior. Yes, like what is expected? What are we doing? Following directions seems to be a big one for younger students. So playing board games where they have to follow directions. And we do this for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. 10 to 15 minutes is it, and then get them back to class. But we do it at a different time of day when the child is in their thinking brain. And when we can also talk about feelings and how do you feel now as opposed to how did you feel yesterday when there was the meltdown. We use pictures. Um, but really anybody, at middle school, high school, if students are allowed to just sit and talk with somebody at a later time when they're in their thinking brain, they can analyze how they felt, what caused them to feel that way, and then what can we do to prevent that from happening again? So and, lots of you know, teaching. I know that whenever we were looking at, um, when school psychologists would ask me about specific behaviors that I was very worried about, they would want data on it. Yes. So it's very, it's a very cool thing, I would think, as you start this, to you have your data about how many times that child has had a poor choice marker removed from the office or whatever, and then you start this instruction. And say you do it every day for 10 minutes for Two five weeks. days, yep. two weeks. Okay. Mm-hmm. We're not talking a year. No. Okay? We're just talking five days, two weeks, 10 days, whatever. And then see if that eliminates the referrals afterwards. If they transfer that knowledge that way they were in their thinking brain back to the classroom, because I think you're going to see it will. Absolutely. And you know, a big part of this too, is the teacher needs to be on board because what we're teaching it down here, or when they go for a reteach to manage their behavior, we want to share the same language with the teacher and we want the teacher to be watching for that. So if, you know, we have a student that, um, gets very frustrated and then throws a temper tantrum, but we've taught that student some coping skills, the teacher needs to be a part of that plan, know the coping skills. And also as the child starts to if she sees or the teacher sees that the child's starting to escalate and feel frustrated, the teacher knows, hey, how about we try whatever this, what we've talked about? Yeah, yeah. Whatever coping teacher's skill. Part of that. Mm-hmm. Yes. So teachers have to be a part of it to make it work. Otherwise 
it won't work. So in, in our building, teachers are a big part of those plans. Mm-hmm. So there's a coach at every grade level. And we've talked about that before. And we've had some of our great coaches here. And those coaches help work and have meetings with the teachers, with the reflection room aid, to make sure that everybody's, what is being taught, again, so teachers are not left out. You know, what is being taught in those sessions? What is the behavior that's, that the trouble that the student is having trouble with? And how can we change that? How can we change the behavior? And that and that's what PBS is all about. Changing the behavior. Positive behavior, Positive interventions, behavior. and supports. So I guess <laughs> we've talked a lot today about the criticism of PBIS, which we, we heard about it when we started, that there are no consequences. We're just giving kids treats all the time and there's nothing else. But I really enjoyed this podcast. I liked a chance for us to talk about it and to relate it to our reflection room, which like I said, was Diane's brainchild, but it has really made a difference in, because if you're sitting there listening to this and going, how am I going to do that? Like, like the principal doesn't have time, you know, doesn't have time, but this is a way to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And um, it's really been great for us. Yes. And so that podcast we keep referring to is called Expert Instruction, the Teach by Design podcast, episode 35, which I think I'm able to link into our show notes. So okay. I'll All right. That'd be great. To do that. Yes. I'm still, I'm still learning how to do a podcast. Yes. Well, <laughs> hey, we're learning something new every day. Well, I guess we that's are. all we have I for today. So. so thank you so much for joining us. And if you've ever had that idea or somebody said that to you, that PBIS doesn't have any consequences and, and maybe after listening today, you've taken away a little ahas about what those consequences, you know, are really like and that punitive and uh, those don't always change behaviors. And, it's all uh, about changing behavior. And this is what we want because we want students that can be in class. Absolutely. And can learn. That's where they learn. That's right. And we would really love to hear from you. Um, we had a couple emails all uh, that we've gotten and responded to, and that's been awesome. So we know we have listeners out there. Please refer to our um, Facebook page and or our Instagram page because um, our uh, the, I post our shows on there and notes, and then we have PBIS tips of the week on there that um, come from our shows. So all kinds of things to link us back. And uh, to get, and you can email us at... Absolutely. Email us at pbisjourneytogenius at gmail.com. I'm Diane Ruff. And I'm Diane Farrell. Thank you for listening. And thanks for listening to PBIS. Journey to Genius. Thank you. Thank you.